Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. two of our series, Scrooge. If you were here last week, uh, you know that we're walking through both the Old and the New Testament to look at Christmas past, present, and future. And we were in Isaiah chapter nine last week. And as we looked at the ghost of Christmas past, Ebenezer, this penny-pinching miser with a bah humbug attitude, it took, a, it took an intervention, a breakthrough in order for change to take place and he was visited by the ghost of Christmas past where he was shown what his life was like before. How many of us remember what our life was like before and you can fill in the blank? (laughs) How many of you remember what your life was like before Christ? I was a mess. Can I have an amen? I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you too, right? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. This week, we're going to look at the Christmas present. And I love, I love the tale of Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol. The ghost of Christmas present is this jovial, happy individual who comes with this line. He invites Scrooge to come in and know him better. And isn't that exactly what God does through his son, Jesus Christ? He invites you and I to know him better. To know Jesus is to know the Heavenly Father. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be today as we dive into probably, you're going to read this passage of Scripture, many of us at your house this weekend. And it says this, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came. If you had the King James Version, it would say the days were accomplished for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them in the end. Let's pray. Father, For the next few minutes as we dive into your word, we recognize that every time the Bible is open, you have something to say. No one is off limits. And Lord, today I ask as we dive into your word, I I pray that the message of hope and peace and salvation that comes through Christ is, is, is the focal point of this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Historians tell us that as Charles Dickens was writing a Christmas carol, it was, it was motivated by, by him walking the streets at night and seeing the poverty, 
seeing the despair that was going on in the world. And some of this might have played into his own life. In fact, it is said that Charles Dickens was raised in poverty, that his, that his mom and dad and siblings were actually in a debtor's prison because they could not pay their debts. And he himself at 10 years of age, working 12 hour days in order to make ends meet for the family. One one book noted that Charles Dickens was so moved by this because one of, the, one of the plights of those in a debtor's prison that if they could not pay their debts, they could not get out. And if they died in prison, their body became property of an anatomist, meaning this, that they could be dissected in the name of science without any say. So he saw people suffering. Some because it was their own fault and some suffering as a result of just what was going on. And boy, isn't that like the world we live in today? There is no shortage of suffering. You may be here today and you're suffering. You're suffering in your mind, you're suffering in your marriage, you're suffering and it's no fault of your own or you're suffering and it is your fault. Today, I believe through the Christmas story, God wants to bring us hope. Are you ready to receive today? Why? Because our present, boy, it can be problematic, can it? We can have problems. Some of us are here today and the problems are so heavy you can, you, can barely, you can barely pay attention. Maybe you're watching online today and the problems are so great you couldn't even make it to church today. Why? Because you're already trying to scheme and formulate how you're gonna fix your problems. But most of us have lived enough life to realize that the problems can stack up so much that we need a supernatural intervention. Aren't you thankful that we can take our needs to the Lord no matter what they are? The world in which Jesus was born into was a world, an area that had been ravaged by war, poverty, immorality, difficulty. Luke writes it this way, simply this, in the year, those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree When he was writing this, this wasn't just a, let me tell you what was going on, but what he was doing in that moment was stating historical fact. He was acting as a a scholar, as as somebody who was writing history. In those days, Caesar Augustus, it was interesting at that point in time, when Caesar Augustus came into power, it was known as the, uh, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. There had been so much suffering, so much war, that when Caesar Augustus came into power, he brought with him, him an era of peace. For the moment, war had quieted down. For a moment, there was at least structure and control. Secular historians know that this was a a good place for Rome. You say, what does that have to do with us here today? I, I believe, man, just like in those days, we go scrambling for some semblance of peace. We, we try to provide peace for ourselves in hobbies. We provide peace for ourselves in habits. We provide peace for ourselves in relationships. We do our best, but most of us have lived enough life to realize that that peace is fleeting and not real. Would you agree? 
we even live in a world and let your pastor just get it out of the way and say it. We think we're going to find peace in how we vote. Peace will never be found in who we vote for. Peace can be found only in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? amen? What is your pastor trying to say? Then let's start acting like it. Amen. Our present can be problematic. Again, that's what Jesus was born into in that moment. You can again see how Charles Dickens could connect with it in that moment. The, the, the pain, the poverty, the difficulty that was going on in those days, Caesar Augustus, that was the day that he issued a decree and it was difficult for Joseph and Mary being great with child. He issued a decree, why? Because in those days he began to take censuses so taxes could be collected. So when the decree was issued, it wasn't as if Joseph could go, ah, we're not going. Where they were in Galilee to Bethlehem was some 70 to 80 miles and Mary was ready (laughs) to give birth. Jen and I were talking about this passage this week and we were, we were, we were, uh, our son Wyatt, she was pregnant with him in the middle of the summertime. And we were youth pastors. And where we went to youth camp was a place, in fact, our, uh, it was called Turner Falls, Oklahoma. Anybody know where Turner Falls is at? My Baptist brothers and sisters know, know where Falls Creek was at? Kind of the same area, the Arbuckle Mountains. It's actually uphill both ways. That joke killed in the first service. Come on, folks. It really is. And I, I'll never forget, man, Jen was great with child. She was going, she was walking uphill both ways in the hot Oklahoma heat and just so inconvenient, but she did it. I can only imagine that's how Mary was. And here is this decree and there was no ignoring it. It was inconvenient. It was, it was, they wish they wouldn't have had to do it. In fact, Jewish scholars tell us that when the decree was issued from the Roman governor, that some Jewish people, if they obeyed, they felt as if they were actually being sacrilegious that it was going against how they, f- how they felt. You say, what does that have to do with us here today? Everyone within the sound of my voice has experienced something they could not get out of. Maybe you've experienced a decree from a judge, a divorce decree, a pink slip at work. You've experienced something that you could not sidestep, could not get out of, and the timing was awful. You, you, you just, you thought, Lord, <laughs> have you ever thought, Lord, this could not get any worse? And then it does. <laughs> and you're like, God, that was not a dare. It was difficulty. If that's you here today and you are walking through a moment that you can't get out of or sidestep and the pain and and the, the, the discomfort is there, I want you to be encouraged that even in the midst of all of this, God was going to use it. Amen? You see, the babe had been 
prophesied, the Savior would come, born of a virgin, and, and all of a sudden, the, the, if, if you read the Bible, you understand that, that the, the Savior could not have been born in Galilee, had to be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because in, in, in the prophecies, in the book of Micah, chapter 2, it was said that where Jesus was going to be born. You say, Jamie, why is the prophecy important? If one prophecy would have been missed, then Jesus would not have been the Messiah. Now, I don't know if Joseph and Mary, they had, the, they had the word given to them by the angels, and I don't know if they were checking off the prophetic boxes, but, you know, the, 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 the God promised that the Savior would be human and not an angel. He would be a Jew and not a Gentile. He would be born from the family of David. He would be born of a virgin, and he would have been born in Bethlehem. I wonder as if they were sitting there before the decree got there thinking, man, if we're not born in, if he's not born in Bethlehem, then there's not going to be the Savior. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door, and the decree is issued. It is interesting to me that Caesar was a godless individual. He was a pagan leader, but he issued a decree that fulfilled the prophecy of God. Are you tracking with me here today? Now let your pastor preach, and this is why this is important. I love how Warren Wearsby said it this way. He said, Augustus Caesar was ruling, but God was in charge. If you're a believer here today, no matter what you go through, starting tomorrow, what you're going through right now, no matter how much pain, no matter how much difficulty, no matter how much it is beyond your control, God is in charge. Proverbs 21. I love how it reads, says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord and he turns it wherever he will. Don't you love that? King James version reads like this, the king's heart is a water course that he changes wherever he goes. That, That word water or water course in the original language can actually translate to mean a flood. Has life ever felt like a flood to you? A flood of emotions, a flood of pain, a flood of anger at what has happened to you and it's beyond your control. Isn't it good to know that even though you and I experience a flood, that God has no problem using it. God has never been handcuffed by plan A. That was awesome. And you, and, and you, Brad, they missed it. Oh, that's going down in the journal tonight, folks. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dear diary, they did Now listen to me. How many of you have a plan A, like you had your life lined up? I'm gonna get married at this time. I'm gonna have this job. At this point in my life, I'm going to have this much in my retirement account. Come on, somebody. Have you ever had your kids' lives planned out too? Your kids' lives planned out? And God didn't read your playbook. You hear me say this often, but I want you to be encouraged. Now let me say it. God is never handcuffed by our plan A. Okay. That meant a lot, folks. <laughs> no, listen. 
I say that, I want you to be encouraged. When I stay surrendered and yielded to the Lord, folks, nobody can mess me up like I can mess me up. Oh, did you hear me here today? I love blaming other people for my problems, but here is the reality. Nobody can mess Jamie up like Jamie can mess Jamie up. But if I will continually stay yielded to the Lord, he is able to take those things. Read Romans 8, the good, the bad, the ugly, okay? He's able to make all things work together. What? For my good to accomplish his, his purpose in my life. And Joseph and Mary were going through it and they were having to obey a decree from a godless individual. But God has no problem using the godless. Are you with me? You may be in a godless situation today at work. You may be in a godless situation today at home. You may be in a godless situation today in your emotions. Rest assured, my friend, God is still able to intervene. Amen? Give him a round of applause this morning. He deserves it. You see, one of the goals, one of the goals in the Christmas carol for Ebenezer and his bah humbug attitude, being visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future was this. It was to get him to change. To get him to, to, to repent. The ghost of Christmas present, again, this jovial individual inviting Ebenezer to come in and know him better takes him throughout the town and shows him, shows him poverty, shows him despair, but they finally end up at the house of his lowly clerk, a man by the name of Bob Cratchit. And his son, his crippled, feeble son, what was his name? Tiny Tim, and his famous phrase, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Now, although Charles Dickens ever really quite says it, it's highly implied that he is suffering as a result of his situation. Extreme poverty. But Scrooge is so touched by his positive attitude, he couldn't believe how joyful he was in spite of his situation that it touches his heart. He had every reason, Tiny Tim had every reason to be upset and uh, and, in despair, but, but he wasn't. He was still happy, and what a message. If you read on in the scripture, verse eight, it says, and there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. In the original language, that word terrified literally means that they fell on the ground as if dead and did not move. But the angel said, let's pause there for just a moment. I had this picture in my mind when I was a kid growing up and when I was afraid of the dark, I would cover up and not move because you know there are things that live under your bed, right? I had in my mind if I like hung my foot over the edge of the bed, something was gonna grab it. So I laid there, covered up and did not move. How many of us are living life that way right now? You are so terrified of what tomorrow holds, you're afraid to move. You're afraid to live life. Jesus said that he came to bring us life that we may have it more abundantly. Amen? 
There is no fear for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. And if you're living life terrified, afraid to move, I want you to be encouraged here today. He holds tomorrow. Goes on to say this, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Say all the people. Goes on to say that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. If you read the book of Luke and Acts, especially those of you that come from a Pentecostal background, you know that Luke writes from the perspective of highlighting the marginalized. Those that feel as if they are on the outside looking in. Not what, I want to be real careful because in today's day and age, there's a lot of people trying to slap on the marginalized badge. But Luke and Acts, the book of Luke and Acts, show us, I really paint a picture. It's interesting, and many of you would agree with me on this, that the first declaration that our Savior was born came to shepherds out in the field. Scholars would tell you that shepherds in those days were considered on the fringe of society. They were the marginalized. What does that mean? They were serving sheep right? They were out in their fields. At this particular time, scholars tell us they were, they were spending time with them. Maybe it was a time that, the, that the, the lambs were being born, but they were having to spend a lot of time out in the field. And as a result, they were away from their families. They were away from the synagogue. And more than that, because of what they had to do, they were religiously or ceremonially unclean. So even if they wanted to, they couldn't participate. Have you ever felt that way? Let's keep it real. You may be here today and feel as if you're on the outside looking in. Because of something you have gone through. On some level, you feel as if you are disqualified. And when the angels came, it wasn't to Caesar. It wasn't to Pharisees or Sadducees. It was, oh, let's just keep it real. Remember why I said nobody can mess me up like I can mess me up? But no one can make me feel bad like I can make me feel bad. Anybody with me? I don't need you to tell me I did wrong. I know more than you do. that the angels came to people who had, they were on the outside looking in and had made their peace with it. And the host of the heavenly armies showed up. I find it, Joe, amazing that the angel didn't just come around the bush and go, hey, I gotta tell you something. They were out there watching their sheep by night and the sky opens up and there is the commander of the angel armies of the Lord and the hosts of heaven making a declaration saying, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. 
Scripture goes on to say this, that suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Aren't you thankful today that you and I have the favor of God himself? Peace. Peace. Oh God, we live in a world that needs peace. It's interesting. Historic writers note that again, Augustus Caesar had brought some semblance of peace. He is, he is, he is known as the Caesar that, that brought peace to the area. And ultimately what the angel was saying is, oh, you think you got peace? No, 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 I'll give you peace. Because it doesn't matter who's in charge on this planet, on this earth, in this country. No matter what type of peace we think we're in, that person, that individual, he or she cannot bring me peace of mind, cannot bring me peace in my soul, cannot bring me peace in my pain, can't bring me peace in my marriage, can't bring me peace in my struggle. It is Jesus alone that brings peace. The Prince of Peace. And the only one that can bring peace between us and God is Jesus. You think you got peace? The angel says, now you have peace. Amen. At the end of the Christmas carol, if you've read it, there's a part where the ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge and kind of fast forwards just a little bit and they look in the house of Bob Cratchit and at the dinner table there's an empty seat implying that implying that Tiny Tim didn't make it. This so moves the heart of Ebenezer Scrooge that he asked the ghost of Christmas present what will happen? The ghost says simply this, I see an empty seat. But the future is changeable. What am I trying to say here today? In that moment, Scrooge had a chance to change. And if you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I'm here simply because it's Christmas season. I'm simply here and I'm, I'm struggling. I'm just trying to figure this Jesus thing out and walk my way through life. No, 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 no. Jesus is our chance, folks, to change. You and the angel declared it, I bring you good news. In the original languages, it's where we get the word evangelon or, or the gospel, the message of, of Jesus Christ. Do you, you realize the message is not watered down? Jesus is the Savior. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen? And by faith, we come to God through Jesus Christ. So here's the simple question today during this Christmas season. Is today your chance to change? And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I'm gonna say it to you like I said every week. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty on the cross for all of our sin, all of our mistakes, and not just our sin and our mistakes, but read the scripture, folks, also our guilt and shame. Expected a louder amen, Justin, than that. 
but you and I got it, didn't we? Let me say it this way. How many of you know you can be forgiven, but you still feel bad? Listen to me. The cross didn't just take care of the sin issue. It took care of the shame issue as well. You see, the goal of the cross was not just to inflict punishment, but it was to send a message and inflict embarrassment. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't just pay, he paid. Are y'all with me? Took care of the shame issue. I love how Tim Delina, the pastor at Times Square Church, he says it this way. That when God forgives through Jesus, he forgives so thoroughly, it is as if we have never sinned. Do you need that today? It comes through Christ and Christ alone. I'm going to invite everybody in this place simply to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're new here at Woodlake, it's not the time we grab our keys and put our purse on our arm. It's, this, is, this is business time now. If you're with us here today and you'd say, Jamie, that's me. This is my chance to change. I need that peace. That, I need that peace that I can only get through Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to get peace through every other way and, and, and your, your spouse can't even provide it. You, you need the peace of God. Maybe you're here today and you say, Jamie, today is my, my chance to change. How do, I, how do I change? The apostle Paul simply said it this way. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm gonna invite you to call upon the name of the Lord today. If that's you today, you'd say, Jamie, that's me. I need to be forgiven of my sin and made new by calling upon the name of the Lord today. On the count of three, all I want you to do is raise your hand. First service, we had several respond. But you say, Jamie, that's me. Today, like Ebenezer, it's my chance to change. And I want to change today. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Just hold it up for just a moment. If you're watching online, I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. Let him know you're saying yes to the Lord today. I'm not trying to even trick you into joining Woodlake. Although you'd be welcome here. I'm just inviting you to join the family of God today through Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Hold it up for just a moment. Amen. Amen. If you're saying yes to the Lord today, I'm, uh, in fact, everybody, I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer. Woodlake, nobody prays alone here. But if you're new with us here today, listen, let me be your pastor for just another 60 seconds. We're going to lead this in a a prayer of saying yes to the Lord. We simply call it the prayer of faith here. But I'm going to ask you to to let me lead you in this prayer of saying yes to the Lord. Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life. Forgive me and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.